All right. So uh, thanks for being with me today, folks. My name is Emily Zimmer from Music Knowledge. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Katie Dwyer. Everybody give her a round of applause, virtually. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Katie also has a company, a production company called Heartbeat Kick Productions. And you can find that at heartbeatkick.com. So I'm going to let Katie kind of tell us a little bit about what she and Heartbeat Kick do and what her journey into the music career lifestyle uh, has been like, etc. So thank you for being with me, Katie. Yeah, no problem. Um, You know, like you said, my name is Katie Dwyer and I started out how a lot of people do, um, just learning how to play guitar. And when I was still a kid, Um, and it, songwriting was something that came really natural, naturally to me. So I started that very young. Um, however, I was, even though I, I don't think that anyone would really call me an introvert. I was way too shy to like share those songs with anyone. So I was actually playing guitar and songwriting for quite a while before I was open about that. Um, and then, uh, late. In high school, I started, you know, making friends that were also doing that. And so I slowly began to like open up and share a little bit. And then I started attending open mic nights. And then I started playing like little short kind of coffee house type gigs. And um, that's really where it started for me. And I stayed like that for probably a decade after high school. Um, I didn't really feel like I could record myself. I, I was not confident in that area. I wasn't even confident in like setting up my own PA system. So recording something sounded like that was really way too um, advanced for me. Uh, and then I feel like I finally just got angry enough that it had been so long and that I had written so many songs and that nothing was i wasn't doing anything with them i feel like i finally got angry enough at myself for not doing anything with this that i devoted you know myself to learning music production and that was um that was in 2019 when i started taking music production classes and uh you know i i really do love helping other people i really love sharing information and i love helping people that I see a a reflection of myself in them. So of course I started, you know, uh, helping people that were around me, whether it be my classmates or just people that were like, I heard that you're good at this. Can I hire you to do that part of this project for me? Um, And from there, that's kind of where Heartbeat Kick Productions was formed because I just had friends and acquaintances kind of coming to me or recommending me to other people. And I wanted to have a separate umbrella for my kind of like audio services, we'll call them. Um, Because I didn't, I felt like I was starting to get people confused where they were kind of coming to me, um, finding me on like a platform where you would hire a mixer or a session vocalist, but they were trying to hire me for a live gig. And so, and and vice versa. So I was like, okay, Katie Dwyer is going to be my singer songwriter side of me. And, um, and then heartbeat kick is going to be my, my audio services, which is going to be a different thing. And then just recently, I also made heartbeat, heartbeat kick productions, my, um, publishing name. So that's my publisher name under BMI. So 
that's where I'm at. Um, I've released a lot of singles, some EP, um, a couple of EPs, collaborative stuff, and then anything that I'm saying, like backing vocals on for other people. Um, but I have never released an album. So I feel like that's kind of maybe the next step in my artist journey. Um, I have gained so many skills by helping others and being hired for all of these different jobs that now I finally feel like I have the confidence that if I wanted to take it, um, you know, and, and do a whole album, then I think I could. So yeah, that's where I'm at right now. Um, very happily, you know, working from my little home studio, which is definitely being rearranged. So things are a little bit wild right now in here. Um, yeah, thank you. So yeah, that's where I'm at. I, I'm also married and I have four children. So, um, you know, just juggling all of that alone is, is a lot. And I'm just really happy that they get to see me, you know, following my dreams and, and working hard. I think that's a good example for them. Wow. That's, uh, thank you for sharing your, your journey because people, first of all, I'm, I'm surprised at how similar of stories we have. Um, at least for the, at least for the kind of first 10 years part of careers. Um, and I think a lot of people, the reason I do this is because people need to hear each other's, what each other's trajectory has been like and what their day to day is like in having a, and basically a full-time art career, an artist career. Yeah. And you know, it, you don't, it, it's always a, a rocky road <laughs> and not everybody does it exactly the same way and not everybody has the same needs and not everybody has the same timeline and timeline and not everybody has the same way that people came to them it seems like after you did feel empowered to start producing or doing production like things at least you had this flood of like word of mouth yeah that that did happen um when I released, I released a four song EP called Indiscreet and um, and I was very proud of myself because that was something that up until the point where I actually did it, I wasn't sure if I could do it. So um, I think when I released that and I started sharing with people, I recorded this at my house. I produced this, like I mixed this, like, and I did get it professionally mastered. I did get mixed feedback as well. Um, but I, I feel like I did so many steps by myself um, or just me and my husband's help here in this room. And I, I'm still so happy with the way that that turned out. That was, it'll be a year old next month. And I think that when people started hearing me say like, oh, like I did this, <laughs> they were like, oh, can you, can you do mine too? <laughs> so that's kind of where that started for me. And, uh, and it, it's been an exciting journey. Yeah, that's, um, sometimes it does grow organically like that, which is why you have to be meeting other musicians and just putting yourself out there, even if it's the, the first time, even if it's messy, even if it's, you know, whatever your current perception of it is, because people's perception is going to be different. And you're going to find out your merits and you're going to find out things to work on. And I would say that that EP counts as an album. Come on, you've done it. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I have. Um, but I will say, like, I feel like if somebody would have told me, oh, you've got to do 10 to 12 songs, I feel like that would have been too overwhelming of a number. But when it was just four, when I just committed to just doing those four, I was like, okay, 
this is doable. You know, this is just for, and um, I think I had really high standards for like how, you know, how I wanted it to sound and the quality overall. So that was um, maybe some perfectionism, but it got done. So here we are. <laughs> sure. I mean, you move at the pace that you find works for you. And, you know, today it's like, why do 10 to 12 songs? You're not obligated. You're not obligated today to be on any format, on any specific format. You mm -hmm. can find the ones that work for you and that work for your audience. And you should, you should pursue those if they're, if they're growing and they're creating a, a wonderful exchange between you and the fans. Right. But yeah. who's to say that you have to live by any kind of standard? You know, I think we need to let go of some of those in the 21st century a little bit. That being said, a, a, the length of an album, you know, gives it a different sort of format. And if you have the intention of making something with a 10 to 12 appropriate format, that's awesome. You know, I mean, how do you how did you come up with the 10 to 12 song idea instead of doing like another EP or three more EPs, which would equal one? Maybe. Album? Right. Um, well, so I'm I won't lie. I do feel like this is kind of a mix of like my own personal background of just listening to albums and enjoying albums that were about that length. And then also just understanding um, the way that Spotify and some other streaming services label different things. Um, I do feel like EPs are kind of, um, they're just not given as much attention algorithmically on Spotify. Um, and when you go to an artist's discography, it's like their albums are a little bit more highlighted than and then the EPs and singles are all kind of just piled in together, um, no matter where they're from. So I kind of was like, okay, I've got all these singles in the, this EP. And um, like I said, I've done collaborative EPs too, where it was like me and other people in one EP. So I have all of those kind of lumped in my discography right now. And if I released an album, which according to Spotify has to be seven or more songs, like hint, hint, anyone out there that doesn't want to do, awesome like, advice. you know, yeah. So if you do seven or more, then Spotify's like, oh, this is no longer going in the EP and single category. This is going to be in the album category and it kind of gets its own space on your profile. So I think that's like one of the main reasons why right now, because like, let's face it, that's the world we live in right now. And that's how people are consuming music. Or I mean, not everybody, but millions of people are consuming music that way. So that's a that's kind of my reasoning behind that's what I want to do next. This, this is why I want people to share each other's stories, because I, I would have never even thought to notice that how how album versus ep works algorithmically now that you mention it i i remember having to choose whether my last album which actually my last album was eight songs so that would have been an album but i had one that was six songs out and i do remember having to click some button somewhere with my distributor to check album or ep and i thought well what the hell difference does it make right it's you a know? collection of songs like why would it matter what we're gonna label it <laughs> but but yeah. you got to chase that algorithm sometimes. I mean, we're yeah. still bound by it. And people psychologically, I mean, I talk so much about shedding the 20th century music mentality, but in a way, and I think 
it's algorithmically proven or perhaps algorithmically encouraged. It's a chicken or the egg. I don't know which one came first mm -hmm. um, to, to think of an album as I guess more, I want to say important. Yeah, that makes sense though. I think that I've kind of seen it that way too, a little bit. So, well, I'm glad I asked because <laughs> you know, I used to yeah. be pish posh on albums because 20th century be damned. <laughs> right. Yeah, and I mean, it's true. I feel like if you don't release an album and you just release EPs and singles, you know, you're still going to be you know, hitting people's release radar. And there's there's a lot of other benefits to doing that, but I haven't done the other thing yet. So that's kind of my other thing is like, um, you know, so it's maybe the, ne the next shiny object for me. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I was gonna ask you what some things are that you plan to do, where, where if you could put it into words, you think the trajectory uh, where is what is the trajectory that you would like for your career in the next like five years? Mm, oh, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Um, so one thing that I will say right away is that I don't fully know, but I am so okay with that. <laughs> um, and I think the last couple of years have just really proved to me that as long as I keep on moving and keep on um, following my passion and putting a lot of effort into whatever work I am doing, um, I know that I'm going in the right direction, if that makes sense. Because what has seemed to happen is, um, like one of my mentors told me uh, that you can't really steer a car that's not moving, right? Like if you could turn the wheels all you want, so it's going the perfect direction, but if it's not going, you're not steering anything really. So um, yeah, I think that as long as I keep working, then the opportunities are just gonna keep flowing. I mean, that's what the last two years have proven for me anyway. So I'll tell you a couple of like specific things that I'm looking forward to. Um, right now, I so I live in the middle of South Dakota, something about me. Um, <laughs> that's okay, I'm in Wisconsin. Right. And that's totally fine because we've got the world at our fingertips. Like, look at yes, us chatting do. right now. So, um, yeah. So I live in the middle of South Dakota. One thing that's really cool about South Dakota is they have a pretty awesome arts uh, council, a state arts council. And through that, there are opportunities. So right now I have a matching grant with them and I'm on something called the South Dakota Touring Artist Roster. And what that means is that any nonprofit that hires me to come to their facility, we'll say like any place, any venue that they want me to come to for a performance or a songwriting workshop or a speaking gig where I am inspiring people to follow their passions, any any kind of mishmash of those options. Um, basically, they only have to pay half of my fee and the Arts Council will pay the other half of my fee. And so um, I have some money that I need to go out there and get basically <laughs> before it expires at the end of July. So I'm looking forward to doing more workshops and I'm looking forward to just visiting parts of the state that I live in that I've never gone to before because there are a lot of tiny little towns all over South Dakota that I've never been to. So I'm looking forward to just kind of visiting all these places and talking to kids, talking to seniors even. Like I did a songwriting class for seniors and it was 
amazing. Um, and just kind of doing more face-to-face -face real life workshop sort of interaction. Um, and then, like I said, I'd like to start pursuing an album. And then the other thing that I would like to focus more on this year than last year is writing sync songs. So I've already started that. I have a collaborator as well as just some stuff that I've started on my own, which I'm not really um, thinking of as my own artist material. It's not coming from that same place inside. So yeah, those are kind of the, the three things, I guess. Like I've been mixing and and tuning vocals for people. And I wanna continue doing that. I've been doing custom songwriting through Songfinch a lot, and I'm gonna continue doing that too. But I've decided to kind of put a cap on it so that I can save some time for my artistry as well. So you've got a lot going on here and kind of a whole portfolio of things that you can do as a musician to make a living. And they're all bringing, it seem like they're all bringing you joy. You yeah. Know? Definitely, yes. <laughs> why why yeah. is it important to follow your passion? I, th I Because I think a lot of people, you might get some opposition because mm. I could see a lot of people going, are you crazy? You live in South Dakota, not LA. You have four children, damn it. You know, I think right, there right. like opposition. get in the kitchen and make dinner for your family kind of things. Yeah, I mean, and there's always going to be people that think those sorts of things and, and that's okay with me. It's just kind of like, uh, another thing, uh, maybe a hurdle for some people about being an artist in general, even if you're only just being an artist, you're actually really, this could go for any business. Um, you can't really be for everyone. Uh, right. And so you just have to be cool with that, that there's going to be some people that come along and either just criticize you or they think they're interested and they realize they're not. And that's like literally fine you're not for everyone the songs you make aren't for everyone and you just have to be okay with that and i totally am <laughs> and and that's what we have that's one of the biggest hurdles we have to get over when we're building an art arts uh, any kind of career in the arts is yeah. the opposition uh created by the starving artist kind of myth and i'm glad that you're in that you've been able to get into a good place with it in in the first place I'm, I'm happy for you that that's a fact at this moment because that's hard to do but you know you brought up something uh really important which is that it's kind of okay for people not to know <laughs> it's okay for people i mean it's not okay for people to be um mean-spirited to each other about it but it's okay that people don't know how this works mm -hmm. most people don't know how an artist career can uh feed your four children and that's okay why would they know they're right. not in the arts we need to start listening to each other because we're the people who are in the arts and we can answer that question yeah and i think there's also like a lot of different directions to go so i've come across some people that you know they find out that i am a musician or a songwriter and they think that i tour and just perform basically and um then i say well Actually, mostly I'm an audio engineer and I kind of like edit things for people and I, um, you know, basically take their stuff, make it sound better, send it back, <laughs> work with people from all over because I do it from home on the internet. <laughs> and that usually like the people that expect me to say that I tour all the time, it's like mind blown emoji. They don't 
they they never thought that that was a possibility so Shocking. <laughs> yeah so it's like well here i am everybody every business out there needs content on the internet and if they want to seem professional part of that is going to be sounding professional so yeah there are people who do that stuff you know right it, it's exactly just not something that people think of all the time mm -hmm. um, a couple of questions because you had brought up things in relation to these couple of topics number one why is it uh important to follow your passion well i have experience with this i i really didn't see music as a career uh for a long time that's kind of part of why i just did open mics and these little tiny shows is because i wasn't pursuing it as a career because it had been shown to me just culturally that it was a hobby and that people were in bands for fun and you know being famous was like winning the lottery and also i don't really want to be famous <laughs> so uh there was kind of a lot of reasons that i didn't follow my passion and then you know it just felt worse and worse until like i said in 2019 i finally was so upset with myself for not following my passion that i turned around and started following my passion so i think that when we're not following our passion we're gonna have this feeling deep inside of unfulfillment even if we enjoy our jobs like there i worked so many jobs that i really enjoyed and i was helping people and i was providing for my family through them but but there was something missing for me there was something that just made me feel bad inside because i feel like i wasn't doing what i was meant to do and now feeling now i I'm, I'm feeling like i am doing what i'm meant to do and it, it's uh it's very incredible so yeah, I just, I guess I want that for more people. I want that for the people that um, are like me and maybe feel like, like something's wrong with them because they're not happy, even though they're supposed to be because they are, you know, following the rules and they went to college and they got their degree and then they got the job and they're working the job and, and they're not happy. Well, maybe they're not following their passion too. So, yeah. I think that's true. And um, I believe that if you know what you're drawn to, hopefully you have the opportunity to know what you're drawn to. I shouldn't say that everybody knows that because it does, it can take time to find it. Yeah. But if you follow, if you find it and you follow that, that's your natural state of being. And I believe that it's not only your right to be in your natural state of being, but your responsibility. I think it's born into, I think it's uh, uh, woven into human evolution that there's enough people to do all the, to play all the different roles that human survival and human thriving beyond survival uh, requires. And I believe that music is one of them. And yeah. I can't believe that so many people disagree because no, not a single person on this planet can live without music. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know yeah. it's it's like water it's you know so that i'm glad that you've shed some light on a perspective relating to why that's important you know despite and that despite opposition you this is still your purpose you can't just ignore it you can't you know pretend that it's not you can't you know you have to be in your natural state of being we've talked on another topic uh about and and the p lab people talk about this constantly by the way um 
Katie and I met at a Produce Like a Boss course on writing for sync licensing, writing music for sync licensing. And uh, if, if folks haven't found out about uh, Produce Like a Boss yet, you got to check it out. It's a podcast and a series of classes and um, all kinds of educational material in relation to building a sustainable music career, essentially from a really small home studio. Um, I'm featured in one of them. Oh, really? Actually, I might. I don't know if I'm featured in more than one or not, actually. So basically, uh, Chris had me do an intro to Ableton video a couple of years ago because I use Ableton. Chris Bradley is the main teacher on those courses, but she has other people come in um, when she's not specialized in what she wants to teach. She wants, you know, her, you know, students to learn from the actual professionals. So even if she's like, okay, at something, she's like, but let me put this person in <laughs> for me. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so she, she was basically like, can you make a similar video to my logic video, my intro to logic video, but for Ableton people. So I pretty much just used her video, um, as a guide and made one for Ableton. So yeah, if you take her classes and you happen to use Ableton, you might see me. <laughs> There you go. You can get even more straight from the source. But uh, but yeah, Chris Bradley and the whole crew and everybody sh she's got on P-Lab are amazing. Um, and they have some insights. You know, it's it's a lot of the similar stuff to what I teach, but I think topically we're a little bit different because we have a little bit different interests. But it's really, really good music career education. Another person I thought of is Leah McHenry of mm -hmm. Savvy, Mus Savvy Musician Academy. Have you heard of her or followed her or taken any of her stuff? I have. I don't think I've taken anything, but I think I'm in one of her groups. Like, I don't know that I visited that group in a, quite a while. So maybe I'll go check that out again and see what's new. <laughs> you may find it helpful for if you're planning on doing an album, because it's a little bit more about the art, just purely artist, artist side, side and, and fan base building and stuff like that. So she's, again, another great person who covers a lot of the same stuff that I do, but in from a different perspective, from more of a um, fan base building. Right. Yeah. And I thought of her because she has five kids. Oh, okay. Yeah. I know exactly who you're talking about now. It's like light bulb just came on and I pictured her when you said that. Yeah. You know, so, so when you put your love into something and you follow your passion and you keep that, like you said, car moving, mm -hmm. even if you don't know what direction you're going to steer down the line, you know, yes, you can make and you can make enough to support your children. You can yeah. make enough to support yourself. You can make enough to support your artist career, you know, and so on and so forth. Speaking of last topic here, unless we go on like eight other topics, which we might. <laughs> Who um, knows? <laughs> I swear it's the last. Why did I even say that? I don't know. Important topic, I'll say. I think the P-Lab people kind of started to define for me and for lots of people who make original music kind of what the difference is between the quote unquote what I call artist career side of you being a professional musician and the overall music career is kind of what I call it all of the umbrella of stuff that you do to be a professional musician for a living so I think what you've shown us here is that the overall music career the series of jobs which includes artist career 
but is not limited to artist career that you do in music the production the you know would you say what would you say is the handful for you if you could name just one or two words each job and just go down the list oh um so basically you're saying list all of my hats sure <laughs> i know it's hard because i have no, the that's same tricky okay producer right right yeah yeah so um we've got music producer and then i i'd like to call the next one audio editor and then vocal tuning i do a lot of that i don't know if you want to do a separate one for mixing i guess you could well <laughs> that... some people this is why it's hard because some people would see them as separate categories other mm -hmm. people would lump that all under production right you know? and so and i will say like you know when you're trying a lot of different things um and if you want to think of the car again you can basically um instead of figuring out exactly how to get there what i did was i just started driving and i just took a beautiful scenic route all over the music industry the outskirts of it and then I decided, you know, what I liked and what was attractive to me and what I didn't like. And one thing that I've learned that I, I don't really like is doing um, like a full instrumental for an artist. Like, I will literally say no. <laughs> like, I don't want to do that. So, I mean, unless they want me, you know, to do like an acoustic and vocal sort of track, I won't. I, I do my own production as far as like making the the whole instrumental but that's one thing that um i just already know that i don't like it did it uh didn't like it won't do it again <laughs> so to get specific about the type of production is really important to you so we've got that right. handful of things anything else with what about your artist career? yeah Singer, so um my my artist career and i guess this falls i guess this is this one's kind of an in-betweeny so the custom songwriting i guess that falls under me being a songwriter but it also like i'm doing the the singing and the songwriting and the production of the songs that i do the custom songwriting for so that's kind of all of the above and then for even deeper on the artist side i guess of things um you you kind of have to be your own marketing person and website builder I mean, unless you hire these things out i i built my own websites both heartbeatkick.com and katiedwire.com and um you know you do if you want any traffic there then you need the marketing or the advertising side as well because people aren't just going to find your website <laughs> um you have right. to filter them in to your website if you want them to be there ever so there's that um and then really i think um performances like live gigs uh i've been doing a lot less of that since the pandemic started and now that i'm on the uh, south dakota touring artist roster i'm you know picking up speed again playing some more live gigs i am more picky because being in a rural place these venues often don't have a sound system. They don't have a sound guy. So you really have to be all the things. You have to show up with your own system, set it up for yourself, sound check yourself, <laughs> you know? So I am a little more picky about what live gigs I will take. And I guess I've also just done some, some work for other people, other artists, as far as like, just getting on submit hub for them and muso soup 
and uh, marketing sort of tactics like that, making them an EPK. Because if I'm already doing all their mixing and stuff and they have like no idea how to release, why not? Why wouldn't I offer another service and say, well, I can also do this for this much more. Um, so, you know, stacking some skills like that is helpful oh, always. Yeah. yeah. And that's just comes and those skills started because I'm an artist and I had to learn for myself. So if they don't know and I'm already doing work for them, sometimes it's easier to just hire me on to do that part of it as well. I think, yeah, the artist part for me is that's that's trickier because I um, it's just my instinct to help others. And I'm uh, it's almost to a flaw, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's almost like sometimes I don't know if I have that flaw, but I'm <sighs> thankful and... to someone like you. for having <laughs> <flaw>. <laughs> Yeah. So I I mean, I'm starting to see that in myself and realize, okay, like helping others, that's good. But there is a flip side to that coin where, you know, you can go too far and help others to the point where you're really not taking care of yourself and your own artist work. You have to say no to something. Exactly. If you're going to do this for a living on a serious level and not mm -hmm. just as a hobbyist, you have to say no. Sometimes not saying no turns you into a hobbyist. And before you know it, you look around and you're like, oh. Yeah. Yeah, so like this past year, for example, I was saying yes to pretty much all the production and audio editing work that was coming my way. And I loved it, first of all. Um, even the projects that I was like nervous about doing, they helped me grow. Like I learned for those people and I got the job done right anyway. So um, I'm proud of myself. Although, because I said yes to all those things, I really did put my artist career on the back burner. I didn't release any like solo Katie Dwyer music uh, in 2022. And so I have, you know, taken a look at this past year and realized that in order to really balance things out, I really do need to put my artist career a little bit more forward, start making my own music or really just recording it because I never stopped writing songs, but I wasn't working on them and getting them past that finish totally line. I understand. Yeah. All right. So I think we're all looking forward to when that comes out as an album. Now that you've reached a balance or more of a balance with the production side of things, because it seems like it's calmer now and you're kind of prioritizing differently than you were right in the beginning where you have to take every opportunity, right? Right. Yeah. Now that you've found more of a balance with it, how would you say the production work and the, the overall music career work feeds the artist? side of it just the purely artist career how does this make it easier to do this and vice versa oh yeah that's a great question i think there are a couple of really important ways um and the more obvious one that i've heard other people talk about is obviously the money part of it you're making money from doing you know audio work and so that can fund your artist stuff if you want to spend money on promoting your song you want to spend money on you know professional mixing and mastering or production you then you can but the other side of it for me has been kind of well first of all confidence um but also just learning the skills so basically if i wanted to hire a mix 
engineer, if I wanted to hire somebody to master my artist work because I didn't want to, or because I just wanted more professional ears on my music, I would know so easily if they're doing a good job or not. Uh, because I've had to go through so much of that myself on the opposite side of things. And, um, and I would know, you know, if they're ripping me off or, you know, other things of that nature, I just feel like my confidence in myself has gone up and, um, also the ability to communicate with other producers, like oh, that's, that's really that's important. Yeah, I they, they yeah. talk about that and the terminology and all the language around mixing and, and just really simple language that you wouldn't think would have to be so specific, but it does. It does. Yeah. I, I've, um, worked with some artists that, you know, they're like, they're newer, they're good artists, but they don't have the same terminology that I do. So right. you almost have to be a little bit of a mind reader to like, try right. to comprehend. Yeah. And, and you get a little better at that as as time goes on, like, especially as definitely. a session, session musician and like demo producer, when I get that kind of work, it's like, sometimes the client has a really, really specific or a really oddly specific request as to some musical characteristic or some compositional technique, but they don't have the terminology for it. And so it's interpreted as like the opposite of what they wanted. Right? Yeah, it can you be tricky. You do that in your artist career. You want to know right. that, you're, that you're communicating your vision properly to somebody who's helping create your vision. And when you are able to communicate your vision really clearly, that's going to save you a lot of time. And when you're saving time and the producer saving time, that's going to save you a lot of money because it they're going to understand it's, the first time around. And time so, is really important in this career because you have a lot of tasks to perform in a day. And, you know, that stacks up and things take longer than you think and whatever, you know, so so pretty much. If you were doing a regular nine to five, and I don't know, I keep using that term regular nine to five. What the hell does that mean? If you were you, if you were in, I should say a, an eight hour a day, non arts relate, non music related job that takes you out of the studio and out of that communication and out of that language, it is going to be harder to have the artist side of your career mm -hmm. because you know, it's like, you start that car running, right? But then you have to stop it for eight hours and go do something totally unrelated. And then you're supposed to get back in and start it all up all over again and keep going. You'll never even get far enough to steer anywhere. Right. Yeah, that's really tricky. So, yeah, I, I always feel like, um, you know, what I'm doing outside of my artist career, but still within the realm of music and audio, I feel like I'm just sharpening my skills. So that way, when I go back into the artist career part of my life, I am faster, I am more efficient, I can get this demo into my computer so quickly and accurately. Um, and it feels so good. Because <laughs> Because then it's like, I didn't feel like I had to spend weeks and weeks and weeks just trying sure. to get something out. I just did it in an hour and like, yeah. you know, we'll go, we'll, we'll polish it up. Like that's just the demo, but you know, it's just, it, it definitely, that alone just will boost your confidence and make you feel like, oh yeah, I, I think I could do an album now. <laughs> you're acting as a professional and meeting professional needs. And so you're respected as a professional. 
and you do get better opportunities. I have gotten better gigging opportunities and things and podcast features and um, playlists and stuff from just presenting professionally like that. Mm-hmm. And knowing the language, knowing all the little formats, already having all your metadata. <laughs> right. And Let's then when you send files to someone and it's like the metadata is there, it's organized, the name of the file actually makes sense. And, um, and people see that, it's almost like they automatically are just like, oh, okay, she knows what she's doing. You know? They are, they are, because you do, and you've made their lives easier, and you've made it easier in ways that I think probably most musicians don't know how to, you mm -hmm. know, and um, it just, everything flows in the right direction then, and it's a cycle, then you're hyped up from being an artist, which is what you set out to do in the first damn place, mm -hmm. right? And then <laughs> it's exciting to go back into the studio or just sit in the same spot because you're already in the studio and get back to the production side of things and just be hyped up about it and, and be, be exercising your creativity and feeling the flow. And, you know, it all feeds, it feeds itself. It's a self-perpetuating cycle because you don't it have does. to start and stop and start and stop and start and stop. Yeah. Yeah. And even if you are doing like the teaching side of it, which I used to teach like um, little, like, you know, beginner guitar and ukulele. I used to do lessons like that. And I, I don't do that anymore. Um, it's not my passion. And I also feel like um, there are better teachers in the area. And so if I would want to teach somebody, it would probably be songwriting. I also like a group activity. So I don't know. Yeah, but yeah. anyway, even if you're doing that part of it, you're reinforcing so many of the skills that you need as an artist. So yeah, I just feel like there's so many opportunities outside of like just you directly making your songs and your art that can really like push you in the right direction. Absolutely. And it just builds and builds and builds like anything, any entrepreneurial pursuit. It builds and builds and builds and becomes a career. And if you wait long enough and you do it long enough <laughs> and you keep that car moving for long enough, it turns into a very lucrative career. That's how it started with me was teaching guitar lessons, you know, right. Like the first big paying music opportunity that I had aside from gigs, which I didn't know how to charge enough for back then. Yeah. You know, and and it kept me in this beautiful space where I was around music all the time and talking about this thing that's my thing I love the most all the time and learning from other career musicians because the other teachers were in that position too. And, you know, it's just keeps that keeps that ball rolling and feeds what you really want to do. But it it you know, how would you say, what would you say is some advice you would give when someone's trying to go through the really hard part of it? Like, let's say they're at an eight hours a day non-music job. And so all they can do is dedicate, you know, five hours a week or something to it. What would you say to that person about getting where you are? I would first say keep going and that that's normal. Um, it really is normal. And the only difference between me and other people who are maybe saying that they shouldn't do that, that, you know, it's not possible, all the negative things is that I, I'm just going to keep going. 
that's the only reason that I'm literally not just down in the dumps still is because I just decided that no matter what, I was just going to keep going. And that is so freeing when you make that decision because you can't, you can't really like take away all the things you do. Like every tiny little job, every tiny little gig, every tiny little local newspaper article, it's all building. So I would just say, keep going. You never know who's watching. You never know who's reading that tiny local newspaper article. And they, you know, and that they're going to be the one, you know, in your email inbox with some amazing opportunity. Well, that's great advice. And uh, I couldn't have said it better myself. I'm so glad that I've had you on today. Thank you for offering so much wonderful perspective. No problem. I just have one more thing to give a shout out to. Go for it. (laughs) February Album Writers Month. It is a personal challenge and a website if you go to fawm.org and we just call it FOM. And the goal is to write 14 songs in the 28 days of February. And if that sounds wild and crazy to you, then that just means you should probably do it. So um, yeah, the first year that I did it was 2009. And I did write 14 songs. There are people from all over the world, so you can have some experience collaborating with others. And the cool thing about it is that everybody that's doing the challenge, like on that website, they are all kind of in it together. And so nobody is like arguing over song splits. Nobody is kind of doing that sorts of stuff. It's very just like, why not? Let's just do it. Let's just take the shortest month of the year and just dedicate it to writing music. And what I do with it is any little idea snippet that I've written in my journal or recorded in the like hidden archives in my phone, I will bring all that back out and look at it and whatever just sparks something for me, I'll just turn that into a whole song. And uh, it's a really great way to finish up any little odds and ends like that you have going on. Wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. Before we go, remind us one more time of your two websites and anything else that you, any other place where people can stream you or hire you. Sure. Um, So I'm Katie Dwyer and uh, my artist website is just katiedwyer.com. My production website is heartbeatkick.com. And uh, you can find me on Songfinch and Soundbetter. And if you go to katiedwyer.com, I have a whole list of places where you can listen to my music. Awesome, Katie. Well, thank you so much for being my honored guest. Hey, folks, I hope you enjoyed this great interview with Katie Dwyer. She's so cool and such a great person to look up to on your journey toward music career success. As Katie had expressed to us, wherever you are in your journey, just keep going. Get that car in motion and you'll see where you can steer it along the way. Thanks again to Katie and be sure to check out her websites and other helpful links in this episode's description. This is Emily Zimmer signing off and I look forward to chilling with you in our next episode. Hey, sorry for the interruption. First, thanks so much for listening. If you love what you're hearing, it really does help if you leave a positive review. If you're enjoying this podcast, if you're finding this information helpful, if you like our guest interviews or anything else, I'm kindly asking you to please leave a positive review on whatever streaming platform you're using. 
It really does help me continue to put out the best content I can for working musicians. Of course, I'd love to keep this thing going and keep helping musicians like yourself, so I thank you for making this easy contribution. Well, let's head back to the show. To my listeners who teach guitar lessons or anyone who has kids, I have to share my favorite kids instrument with you. I love this instrument so much and my students had years of fun and success with this. It's called the Lug Guitar. The Lug Guitar is this stripped down, three string, kid sized, real guitar that kids can play on day one. I know because I taught hundreds, literally hundreds of kids to play this instrument. Now this is not a toy. The Lug guitar is a real, well-made, tunable, playable guitar that is tuned the same as the first three strings on a traditional six string. That's right, you get the E, B, and G strings so you can make all of your major and minor chords. They come in acoustic and electric varieties with a built-in amplifier. All Lug guitars come with flashcards and picks and there is a free Lug app for Android and iOS. The app is so cool. It's got games, play along songs, chord learning activities, and kids can create their very own Lug monster. You'll see what I mean when you get it. You can also become a Lug certified educator. And the Lug YouTube channel has a free lesson series taught by <clears throat> yours truly. I've never seen kids learn faster or enjoy themselves more on any other instrument. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Take it from me, I taught lessons for 15 years. Click the Lug Guitars link in this episode's description to learn more. That's right, click that Lug Guitars link in this episode's description to learn more. Hey listeners, you've probably heard me talk about one of my favorite passive income generators for musicians, sync licensing, which in a nutshell is getting your music into TV, film, ads, and more. Sync licensing is so awesome, but it can sometimes be challenging to start. You've got to spend hours sifting through sync music libraries and find the ones that are right for your music. This can be a monumental task. Well, I've got a great solution for you. It's called Music Library Report. Click the Music Library Report link in this episode's description. This incredible resource is a community of composers giving their own reviews, tips, and opinions on music libraries so that you can start submitting to the libraries that are perfect for your music without hours, weeks, even months of trial and error. Again, click the Music Library Report link in this episode's description. <laughs> 